2022 Class of Credit Union Rockstars is inspiring and energizing. Fiserv is honored to play a part in propelling us all forward together. Congratulations. From the Credit Union National Association, this is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. Welcome to the CUNA News Podcast. I'm Assistant Editor Brock Fritz, and this episode of the podcast is the second in a series of conversations with 2022 Credit Union Rockstars. In September, Credit Union Magazine announced the 25 winners of the Rockstar program, sponsored by Fiserv, recognizing unique, innovative, and creative credit union professionals who excel and make the movement a better, more interesting place. In this episode, we catch up with two members of the 10th Annual Rockstar Class, Keith Stone, the president and CEO of $24 million asset Finest Federal Credit Union in New York City, and Wendy Tariff, the president and CEO of $40 million asset Police Credit Union of Connecticut in Hartford. Both Stone and Tariff discuss the uniqueness of running credit unions for police departments and how they take pride in serving people who serve. They also discuss the positives and negatives of small credit unions, and what it takes to find their niche and move in the right direction. To read up on the 2022 Rockstars, visit news.cuna.org rockstar or nominate a 2023 Rockstar at news.cuna.org slash nominate rockstar. Now let's get to my conversation with Stone with a conversation between Tariff and CUNA senior editor Ron Jost to follow. Can you just introduce yourself, your role, how long you've been there? My name is Keith Stone. I'm the president and CEO of the Finest Federal Credit Union. We were chartered in January 2015 under the NCUA. Uh, I've been part of this project uh, from day one, going way back to 2007, 2008. I was uh, running a credit union in Brooklyn, and a, a group of individuals came to us. And one of them was an inspector with the NYPD. He was an active inspector at the time. His name is Paul McCormick. And he wanted to know why the New York City Police Department, the largest police force in the world, didn't have its own credit union. Uh, Many other large police uh, forces throughout the country do have their own credit union. And New York City did not. Uh, We started this process in creating this credit union to help members of service within the NYPD and law enforcement in New York City, New York State, uh, with their financial needs. So uh, that project was started back 2007, 2008. And as you know, any company, any credit union, any new business, you need money to start. You need a certain amount of funding to start the organization. We had some seed money in place, and then in 2009, 2010, the money backed out due to the economic crisis. Mm. So this project was put on hold. A couple years later, we started up the project again. Officially, as I said, January of 2015, we were chartered. Uh, The chartering process was uh, an interesting uh, undertaking within the NCUA, but we finally got it done. Now we started off as a $2 million credit union with zero members. And we today we are a almost $24 million credit union with about 6,800 members. Pretty long story there. We'll get back to that in a sec. But what do you think led you to being nominated and named a credit union rock star? 
You know, um, I, I started off my credit union career as a young man uh, attending uh, Brooklyn College in New York City. And I started working part time at a community credit union, actually in a development where I live. And it was open one night a week. And we had a little Radio Shack candy, you know, PC. I don't even know if it was called a personal computer at the time. It sort of was. You know, it was just that people helping people, you know, feeling from the movie, it's a wonderful life. Uh, as far as, you know, Bob down the street needed to deposit $5. Mary down the other side of the street needed to withdraw $5. The credit union was sort of a neighborhood conduit, a cooperative that helped the community. And I started, I got the feeling from there of what it means to be part of a credit union, a member of a credit union, work at a credit union, how much good we do for the community, how different we are from your local bank. This project came back, you know, into my life, and this is where I'm meant to be. Uh, I, I love being part of a team that helps, you know, a certain field of membership. In our case, it's the law enforcement community in New York City and New York State. The best part of my day could be sitting with a member, showing them how to sign on to home banking and teaching them about their separate accounts or how they could transfer funds or pay their bills or some simple stuff. That, you know, it, it is very simple if, if you're working in a credit union, but to just a layman and someone who's not familiar with the banking world, uh, you know, it means the world to them to be able to help them. So I, I work day and night myself personally, um, as far as reaching out to our members, helping them, getting back to them, not letting them wait till the morning for an answer. Uh, I feel specifically our field of membership, the law enforcement community deserves more. They deserve better. Um, they are, you know, one of the one of the you know parts of society that when they leave their family and leave their home to go to work, there's a better chance that they're not going to be coming home to their family, and they don't get paid enough. And I know that's their choice, but they certainly starting off do not get paid enough, especially in New York City. Uh, starting off, starting salary of forty three thousand dollars for a, a police probationary officer. They just deserve better as far as, you know, and, and, you know, we do what we could do in the financial world to help them with their needs. So uh, I, I feel we owe it to them and I make sure that we give it to them. So, yeah, once you got going, starting at two million. Well, how'd you and, grow? And we had to. So, so we had we started with nothing. Right. So yep, we had yep. to create our office. We had to get our equipment, our computers. We had to get a location. We had to build up the vendors, the processes, our policies and procedures, of course, first and foremost. Uh, we already had our board in place. Our board of directors is all active, and, and now it's all active and retired NYPD personnel, and we have one active ATF, alcohol, tobacco, firearm agent on board. Uh, so we had a team of people who knew what our field of membership how they live their life, when they wake up in the morning, how they feel, what they need, you know, what they need from a credit union, how they should be served. So, you know, we, that's what dictates, you know, our, our business policy. How'd you grow or how'd you attract members? Well, we would, we were fortunate enough to be invited to all of the new recruits uh, orientation. Okay. So just within the NYPD, uh, when they start off, there's police probationary officers, PPOs, who have actually become uh, regular police officers. There's traffic enforcement agencies. There's school safety agents. So there's different uh, parts of the MIPD. 
But we are fortunate enough from pretty much from day one to be invited to all the new recruit classes. So when you're a new recruit with the NYPD, uh, right at the beginning, at inception, you need to come up with just about $2,000 for equipment that you need to purchase that's not provided to you. So these are young people, 20, 22, 23, 24, 21, young individuals just starting out. They're not getting their first paychecks for about three weeks, and they need to come up with like $2,000, which is a lot of money. We're able to come in, offer a loan, a rookie uh, equipment loan to these members, and at a lower interest rate, and our rate started 4.75% for a personal loan, and provide that type of service. Uh, and and I'll, I'll just go back a little bit. We never push loans, especially on the young people. So we don't go in there and say, you must take out this loan, you must take out this credit card. You know, I stress, and I do this every time I speak, and I could speak in front of, you know, 600, 800 new recruits at one time, that there's three reasons why they want to take out a loan. They want to either build up their credit if they don't have great credit, they need to pay for their equipment, or they need to pay off high interest rate credit card debt that they have with a low interest rate loan. Otherwise, I stress do not take on more debt. Debt is not good. You know, it's a necessary evil, so to speak. But I, I want to, you know, part of us and part of what we do and what I do in the credit union is certainly not to make a, more of a financial burden for our members. Sure. We need to teach our members about debt, about how to pay off debt, how to, you know, how to handle your finances allocate your finances. So, you know, I, I could sit and you had mentioned about June, you know, we're also, we're a very active credit union. So this month of July, we brought on 154 members, you know, gave out 177 loans. In June, 87 members, 138 loans. Uh, you know, June, April was 325 members and 281 loans. Wow. So primarily those members come from these new recruit classes. Um, and I, I promise them and stand in front of them. And a lot of them, they need the money as quick as possible. I can meet with them on a Thursday morning and I could, you know, receive in 200, you know, application, loan application. And I guarantee them by Tuesday, Wednesday, they will have their funds, their loan disbursement in their primary account, meaning we do everything electronically. They won't have access to our, you know, the account they, they set up with us, the savings of checking. They won't receive their debit card yet. They're in trainings and they're, able to, they're not able to visit our office to, you know, sign any application or take out any money. Everything has to be done electronically. But within two business days, we will underwrite this, you know, and, and go back and forth with all of these recruits via email and cell phone. And we'll have these loans dispersed where they will have these funds within a couple of business days in their primary account that they give us so they could have the funds they need to, you know, to move forward and purchase the equipment they need. So are those orientations pretty regular or how? Well, it's often, and, yeah. and there, there are. There lately, because also because specifically within the NYPD, there's been a lot of retirees, thousands okay. and thousands of retirees over the last, you know, one year, two years. Uh, there's been a lot more in, in, infusion of these new classes of new recruits. And this is just the NYPD. 
between police probationary officers, the regular officers that come in, traffic enforcement, school safety. There, you know, so far this year through July month end, we had about eight classes. And okay. some of these classes, once again, could have up to 800 new recruits. So we're pretty busy. And yeah. when I speak to these new recruits, I give them my cell phone number. And I go back and forth with them. The new recruit is the most important to us yeah. because they're just starting out especially in today's environment within the law enforcement world. They have a lot of difficulties ahead of them in policing, in their job, in the politics of their job. So we want to make one thing easier for them, and that's setting up a financial account, having access to their funds. And I get back to them almost 24-7. So especially the recruits and after we have a class, and I give them my number, and I text them back, I email them back, I call them back. And we, we facilitate all of these loans and we, we do it in a, in a very uh, quick manner. So your CEO, um, how would you describe your leadership style? I am 100% the roll up your sleeves and jump in type of guy. You know, we had two offices in lower Manhattan. We now have one office in lower Manhattan. Uh, we have 5,600 shared branches under the co-op you know, credit union network. Uh, when we first, you know, started our credit union and moved into our second branch, my leadership style is just lead by example. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I am one of many, you know, one of our team that, it, and we're honored and privileged to do what we do. And it, it could be cleaning the bathroom. It could be, you know, moving boxes to and from each office. It could be picking up supplies. It could be, there is nothing that I do, that I, you know, that, that I would ask any one of our uh, employees to do, our team, that I, that I don't do or wouldn't do. So that includes, you know, driving supplies, you know, four o'clock in the morning to the police academy to drop them off. That includes, you know, making the presentation, going home, inputting, you know, 200 applications into the system so our team can quickly start processing those applications. So I, I work day and night and, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry to say that my family, I have four children at home, my wife and I have a beautiful family and they come first, but our credit union comes a very close second and that's just how we've run it. That's just how we've done it. My family understands that and uh, we've made a commitment just to do better mm-hmm. um, and that's what we try to do. So it sounds like having someone at the top that wants to get their hands in everything um, would create a certain atmosphere within employees. So what kind of atmosphere do you seek at the credit union? Or how do you hope employees feel about coming in and what they do? Thank you for asking that. So I I try to get, you know, everyone as excited as I am about what we do. And I believe they are, you know, and we, we have a, we have a small staff. So in our office, you know, we have seven people, you know, a couple of people working remotely um, due to certain circumstances. Uh, I stress, Work is work. You know, even though clearly this is my passion, this is what I love to do. I love to help our members. I love what we're building at the finest federal credit union. Yet people have a personal life as well, which is Mm -hmm. very important. So I 100% stress uh, people's family life, their personal life. They need time away. Um, I understand people have issues and problems and, and things come up and I think we do a really good job of supporting our members when they have specific needs, family emergencies, 
any kind of illness where we have, uh, I, I'd like to say, kind of lax policies on days off or sick days or where we are, you know, some institutions I've seen in my past call like their staff and their institution of family. And if you ask the employees, they'll tell you it's really not like that. Uh, and where we are, if you ask our employees, they will tell you that, Good. that we care, we care about each other. We try to make their lives simple um, and not more difficult, but at the same time, stressing the importance of what our mission is. So, yeah, obviously part of that is being a smaller credit union. What does that mean to you when you think of being a smaller so, credit yeah, union? Yeah, I, I like that question. And then I don't like that question yeah. because it's like small credit union, like we're less than. And uh, I get it. You know, we, we wear many hats. So we, we were uh, had the privilege of starting and the challenge of starting this new financial institution in New York City, where there's only about three or four banks on every block in lower Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And we had the specific mission to help our law enforcement community. And we had to start off somewhere. So certainly we started off smaller. But at the same time, there's advantages to being a smaller credit union. So we all wear many hats. You know, our employees have the uh, advantage and the opportunity to learn many different aspects of the credit union world and and how to run a credit union and what we do and who we need and what partners we need. And when you're with a larger institution, you know, I've worked in my career, you got Bear Stearns, Merrill Lynch, uh, very large financial institutions where usually you have one job, you have one test, that's all you do. You sort of have blinders on because you wake up in the morning, you come to work, you do the same thing, possibly very similar every day. Where now in our institution, we we wear many hats and our employees do many different functions where it's not a boring day because you know you're, you're doing every day, you're coming up with a different challenge, a different problem, you're learning. And we never hold anyone back. So I, I try to teach everyone. I'm only as good as our staff, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I try to bring everyone up instead of hold everyone down, let's say for job security for myself. I want everyone to learn as much as I do so we could be that much better. Yep. So the smaller credit union to me means just more opportunity for our members, more opportunity for our employees. And then we're able to better help our members because there's not a lot of the bureaucracy with a larger institution. As far as if we have to make an exception for a member, they needed more of a loan than than our limits uh, allow. We're able to make these exceptions much quicker and make you know uh, stronger decisions quicker rather than have stuff you know go through a trail of people to try to get approved. Yeah, and going through the chartering process. And is there anything that you've noticed over the years that can help new or smaller credit unions thrive? I think smaller credit unions are afraid to make possibly big decisions. So, you know, we, we moved on to the co-op network pretty quickly because we needed more, our, our members needed more of access. You know, we're moving on to the all point network now. So right now with the co-op network, our members have over 5,600 shared branches, over 30,000 surcharge free ATMs. We're going to move on to the all point network where our members will have an additional access to 55,000 ATMs and different ATMs also that provide deposit of functionality. We are able to be being a small credit union. So 
believing in your staff, believing in, even though you're a smaller quote unquote credit union, there's nothing you can't do and provide and grow, you know, versus other larger institutions. But, you know, and, and it's starting off with the basis. It's starting off with having your members believe in you. So it's starting off and helping them, you know, and our best advocate in the small credit union world is when we help one member, especially in our law enforcement community, they are going back and they're telling their partner, they're sitting in the patrol car, they're, they're, you know, and they talk, you know, definitely cops talk and about how the finest federal credit union helped them, how mm -hmm. they spoke to Keith Stone at, you know, 10 o'clock last night, he got back to me, how this is what they're doing for me. So if they just start off with one member and then they get, you know, a hundred members and a thousand members, you know, they, they just have to believe in their abilities, but they have to make it happen. So, you know, don't, don't be afraid to think big. Think of how we need to help our members, what we need to do. And, of course, that's why many small, you know, credit unions can't succeed. Uh, it's just economic reasons, just the cost. You know, you, certainly, you need your income at some point to be greater than your expenses, and that's not always easy to do. We'll be right back with more from our rock stars after this message from Fiserv. Congratulations to the 2022 Credit Union Rockstars. You are a shining example of the talented and passionate people in our industry. We are grateful for your leadership and your commitment to the credit union movement. Fiserv is honored to be a sponsor and to recognize your achievements. Now, Senior Editor Ron Jose talks to Wendy Tariff president and CEO of Police Credit Union of Connecticut. So, Wendy, just tell me a little bit about your background, how you got started in credit unions and how you came to be CEO at your credit union. Well, my beginning in credit unions was completely random. I was a banker. I started my career working for a global commercial bank in New York. And it never sat right with me. It never um, felt good when we got into sales and marketing and things like that and customer relationships. It was always adversarial. And I did it for many years. But it was stressful because it was not about developing relationships. It was about selling, selling, selling. And I moved from New York and I moved back up to New England where I was born and raised and I just looked around for jobs and there was a credit union marketing and business development coordinator job. And I said, okay, that's like a bank. I'll go apply for it. And I did not knowing anything about the credit union difference at all. And when I began working there, it was like I came home. It was really perfect because it was just warm enough and just gentle enough. The kind of thing I just, that was what made my work life complete. And people made fun of me. People that knew me, they were like, oh yeah, you like to sleep at night. You know, you like to be okay with your conscience, right? And I'm like, yeah, I, I really do. And it just, it, it grew into something that became a good reflection of who I am. I was proud to be a credit union employee as much as I was proud of my other parts of my character because they reflected one another. 
So I worked in this particular credit union as their business development for about seven years. And I grew their business. I doubled their business. I got them a a diamond award for their website. Um, I did a lot of things with them because it was just great. It was perfect. And not to say that there wasn't strife. I mean, there's always stuff at work that you get into, but it was, it was just a great direction to have gone in. And then I got, I saw an ad looking for a CEO to a small credit union for the Massachusetts Electric Company. And I applied. I was thinking, well, you know, I could probably do that. And I just, and I was hired because mainly because of my commercial banking experience, but I already had drunk the credit union Kool-Aid. A lot of credit union people are nodding their heads because they, almost everybody has a similar experience, whether they're brand new to the movement or they come from banking. It lines up with their values. I mean, almost just, it's amazing how similar that epiphany is with everybody. So now you're CEO of Police Credit Union of Connecticut. You have $41 million in assets. Do you want to tell me a little bit about your field of membership now? Sure. We are open to all law enforcement personnel in the state of Connecticut and their families and retired personnel and everyone that's affiliated with law enforcement, including the civilians that work in law enforcement, not just the first responders. But we've got members from many different police departments in Connecticut. We've got FBI members. We've got DEA members because they have an office in Hartford. And we've got a, we've got a very diverse group within those parameters. But it is unique. And I discovered that right away when I first came to work here in 2018. That it's a, it's a, it's a certain life. And it comes with unique mindset. And cops have a very weird relationship with money. That's, I mean, that's the only way I can say it. Yeah, and we're going to dig deeper into that. And, and everybody has known policemen is growing up, and whether through family or friends, and they, they just the lifestyle without even factoring in the, the danger. They just live a different lifestyle with the shifts and everything. But anyway, but back to you, and this is part of your mission, actually, serving that lifestyle. You have a, you've just acquired a merger through the Waterbury Police Federal Credit Union. You have a dream, dream of creating a statewide law enforcement credit union to serve these needs. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that dream? So that came out of a strategic planning session a couple of years ago. How would we grow? And it's easy to say, you know, we'll get more members within our field of membership. But we were talking about the state has several small police departments that are part of the old school credit union model. I I can see very clearly that a lot of small credit unions struggle with updating their attitude about doing business and stop to stop being an old an old boy network, so to speak. I don't know how to make that gender neutral, but there are, to me, distinct differences between old school and up-to-date credit unions. Um, Boards that have been the same people for like 30 years and policies that never change and 
products that don't get adapted because they're scared of change or they say they can't afford it. But anyway, um, a lot of the police, the small police credit unions are living in that old school world. And it pains me because they struggle to stay in business. They're not making a lot of money. They're losing members. And um, our thought was that if we could get everybody together and just make one united financial institution, it would benefit everyone. The small credit unions that were struggling, um, it would obviously benefit us. And um, it would benefit the members enormously. So I wrote letters to each of three credit unions that I thought would might be interested. And I got a response from Waterbury. I haven't gotten responses from the other ones, but I'm going to keep trying. Just got to be patient, I guess, huh? Yeah. And it was, it was a matter of timing with Waterbury. Um, their CEO was looking to retire and didn't have a replacement. And felt that this would be a good move. It's been a very good move. We've been merged since April. Yeah, and if that's worked out well for you. It has. It's worked out well for the Waterbury members because there are products and services that they didn't have before. They did not have credit cards. They did not have IRAs. They didn't even do wire transfers. It's opened up a lot of opportunity for them and for us, obviously. So what kind of financial challenges do law enforcement officers face? Imagine a 21-year-old person who's just finished up the academy and they suddenly go to work and they're making two or three times as much as they ever did before. And they have an opportunity to work extra hours and double that, literally. So they suddenly get very happy about that and they start buying stuff. And they come and they get everybody who graduates the academy seems to want a truck and they want a truck loan. And that's great. But if you keep going like that, they end up in trouble. Or if they count on their overtime to pay their bills and they get hurt on the job and they can't work. So they're just getting disability payments, which is based on their base salary, then they can't make their payments. And the only way that we can help them before they get over their head is by educating them at the very beginning. So I go to the classes at the academy and I talk about financial responsibility and I try and convince them that they really don't need the truck right away. Oh, really? And even though that hurts our business, it's sound because I would rather do that than do loan workouts for somebody who's so deep in debt that there's no way they can pay their bills. That's really interesting because we, I always think those trucks are so dear to people. People want those trucks. So what kind of vehicle do you try to get them to buy? To I mean, do you counsel them? Into I, I don't counsel vehicle? them on what oh, vehicle to buy, okay. but I say don't assume that you can pay these bills that you just work another private job, you just work some more overtime, you just take a traffic detail. It doesn't work like that. I mean, sorry, it does work out like that very well until something unexpected happens. And unfortunately, unexpected things happen all the time. Yeah, that's sage financial advice because it's a huge payment. But as I said, people covet those trucks. I mean, young and old. 
I just did a loan for one of the uh, police women for a big time Mustang. I forget what model, but it's a muscle car, like a fancy convertible. And she said, you know, I'm doing it because I can. And I don't judge, but I, I try and ask questions that will get into their heads and make them think twice about what they're doing. So do it and I'll help them get that vehicle. And you've received your financial counseling certification. Yes, yes. I've had that for five years. To that end, you're 41 million in assets. And this goes for a lot of small credit union CEOs. The credit union is really kind of integrated into your lifestyle, isn't it? It's just kind of what you do. That's just kind of part of being a small credit union CEO, isn't it? You got to have a passion for yes. it. Yes. And I'm lucky that I'm in a situation where I can just feel the pulse of everything that we do. I don't mind too much being called at home by members or, you know, I used to have myself, my personal cell phone on my business card. I have since taken it off, but a lot of people can get in touch with me. So it, it is, it's just, I also think that having a division, a big division between your work life and your home life, it just doesn't work for me. I'm here so much of my waking time and I'm doing things more often than I'm doing family things half the time that you have to start integrating it so that you can feel balanced. I woke up the other morning with pink eye. I came running into the office, grabbed my laptop and brought it home because I didn't want to not be available for work. You're also big in advocacy, not to shift gears too much here, but in, as I said, you're a small credit union, but advocacy is important to you too. And I want to also add one thing you do is you bring one of your employees every year with you to the GAC, don't you? Yes. Um, I just recently got that approved by my board. Yeah. Why do you do that? I've been going to the GAC for years since I first became a credit union CEO. And it like, it really hit me in the heart about why we do what we do and why it's a good thing and why it's different. It's not just banking, why it's a movement, not a career. And it's like, for me, going to the GAC every year has become a pep rally for me. There's nothing quite like it, is there? No, no, absolutely not. And it's, it renews and reminds me of every reason why it, what we do is not just business. It's really good what we do. And it's hard for employees to feel that way. So I thought, well, if I could just take one every year with me, then they'll get the, they'll get the understanding, hopefully, that we are really changing lives. We're improving our community. And we're, we're doing good for others. We have a mission, not just a job. How many employees do you have? Since the merger, I've got eight. Yeah. I've only started this year, oh, this okay. past year. But still. So I, took, I took one person. I'm taking them by seniority. My loan officer went with me and she was floored. Yeah, I understand. that. Yeah, I worked in the movement for a while before I went and there's nothing like it. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. So um, hopefully I'll be, I have some um, employees who are saying, gee, I'm not into politics. And I want to tell them it's really, you know, we do go visit our Congress people, but it's not as much about politics as it's just as about credit unions. And 
there's a lot you can learn. You don't even have to go hike the hill if you don't want to, but just expose yourself to this at least once. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. Congratulations to the 2022 Credit Union Rockstars. You are shining examples of difference makers and inspiring leaders. Pfizer was a proud sponsor. 